Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, oh, hi, Nikki. I did How are not you even doing see you there. today? I'm doing so. I'm so well. I'm doing so well. I'm, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm a little bit giddy. Uh, we are we're continuing our job series today with a, a concept. You know, you know, most of my life is searching for metaphors <laughs> to relate yes. to my struggles. That's pretty much what I live uh, my uh, my life to do. And I think I, I stumbled on this metaphor. I did not stumble. I stalked on this metaphor from our guest today that that really made a change uh, in how I think this last couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm eager to share it. I'm eager to have our guest here to talk about it because I think it aligns so perfectly with everything we are talking about in our job series and where some of the ADHD struggles come with how we live and work. So I'm very excited to get started on the show. We got to get through all of our front matter first. And that is this. You want to know us, get to know us a little bit better, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But to really connect with us, jump into the ADHD Discord community. It's so easy. You just jump into the public community chat channel by visiting TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord. You will be whisked over to the general invitation and login. But, you know, if you're looking for a little bit more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Again, visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. And you might even hear, if you join, the latest episode of Placeholder, which is all about AIDHD. What do you think about that? Is that that too clever? Of Mice and Machines. That's what I called the episode. All I have to say is the intro is creepy. (laughs) That was some of the most fun audio work I've I've done. It is uh, it's AI Pete talking to AI Alex. It was it, yeah, I'm just going to spill it because I'm so excited about the concept. I was struggling with a way to introduce this podcast on exploring AI technology, so I had ChatGPT4 write a script between me and a an AI taking the Turing test. And the objective of the AI was to con- convince the human that it was human, as you do in a Turing test, but both participants were AI. 
And it is, it was just an enormously like viscerally satisfying and terrifying experience. And so terrifying. It, yeah, <laughs> mostly terrifying for you. I apologize for that, but it was uh, right. really, really fun. It is too. very interesting really. for sure. So yeah. check hopefully, it out. Hopefully. Uh, we don't have any, do we have any news? It's, it's now, no. we don't have any news. So let's, we're let's, good. Let's dig right in. Kurosh Dini, MD, is a board-certified psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, author, and musician, and it's pretty rare that we've had a guest on the show for whom I have personally consumed as much of their published catalog. He's author of Workflow Mastery, Building from the Basics, and Creating Flow with OmniFocus, and Taking Smart Notes with DevonThink, and Being Productive, Simple Steps to Calm Focus, and now his latest work, Waves of Focus, Guiding the Wandering Mind and the associated course and community. Dr. Dini joins us today to explore the nature of the wandering mind at work and how we can find peace by better understanding how our brains are working to sync with the systems we did not create. Kurosh Dini, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's first, let's talk about the wandering mind. Uh, as a way to reflect on ADHD, how'd you land on this as your way to sort of bundle the ADHD experience? Right. So Wandering Mind um, does a number of things. First, I do like, uh, as you do, I think that metaphor, metaphor and story. And it's 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 a wonderful way of communicating. It's just how I think it's a great way to convey information. And there's something romantic to it, but there's also something that removes the medical aspect of ADHD. You know, as soon as you have something medical, it's just, oh, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. um, and this, I feel, you know, wandering mind tends to open up things towards the, that. I think m your community tends to know very well that there's a strong, positive, creative, exploring, discovering kind of spirit that uh, is there uh, in, uh, in, in, in ADHD and, and what I'll say are other wandering minds. So I, I kind of have ADHD is a part of that 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 grouping. So, if I can nerd out a little bit on it, this, the the idea is that um, thought and emotion, whatever those emotions are, uh, are flowing past this part of our mind, this working memory part of our mind. This is our consciousness. This is where we put things together. This is where we have you know decide on the options. It flows past that, and with ADHD or wandering mind, it, it's flows fast. We have a fast mind. And as a result, it becomes difficult to, um, to uh, hold on to those ideas, those decisions, those options, and make some decision with them that feels like, okay, what do I do with this? And sometimes it winds up being impulsive, and sometimes it flows past and turns into kinetic energy, and sometimes it flows past and turns into just daydreams and thoughts. So it becomes all these different sort of paths. And then what are those emotions that come in? Often with ADHD in particular, I find uh, uh, play and boredom. You know, there's a powerful spirit of play. And then without it, there's that boredom or, uh, or perhaps depression. Or, But then there's also anxiety. There's also trauma. There's also creative spirited, just I'm really interested in things and the absent-minded professor. And there's, you know, all of these really, what other ways are there for thought and emotion to just fly past? Plus. There's this, I like the idea of like, there's, there's not only does everybody's mind wander, but it's like 
maybe we can say there's thresholds beyond and, you know, there's the ADHD level or whatever. There's the time of day. There's the day of the week. There's a, you know, there's a, in the morning, you might feel one way in the afternoon, it might feel another. And particularly for those who are struggling like ADHD and such, you have, um, let's say somebody has a conversation and says one thing that triggers a certain association. And you remember this particularly shameful moment and the da, 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 and then you're scattered. You're in that scatter for like hours, maybe days. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's like, it's not like this, the thing I, with ADHD, it's, it's, it's fine to have it. I diagnose it. I work with it. Fine. But there tends to be like a flattening of it. Like in music, there's like a compression of it. There's like, it's just, it's, it's like it's, it just exists rather than I want there to yes. be like waves and flowing and different to different days. And well, isn't the whole point of it is that it is a spectrum, right? It is a spectrum. Our ADHDs are vastly different from one another. As well as within ourselves through time. Right. Through yes. I was going to say from day to day, it can be different. If you had a good night's sleep, if you've been eating well, have you exercised? Are you managing your stress? All of those things. If you're not... Uh, having good days on those things, your ADHD is going to be louder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. This piece on your blog, you wrote this question that I thought, or th that I thought was particularly provocative. You said, what if it's not about being wrong so much as it is about being out of sync with the increasingly artificial structures of time that surround us? Now, I really relate related to that almost immediately, especially in the context of work. But let's start with with time and our ADHD relationship with time being out of sync. And then I'd like to explore this idea of artificial systems and our ADHD brains being out of sync with artificial systems. How, let's talk about time. So time and attention, I look, you know, is, is, these are very um, important concepts in the ADHD world, right? And I'll actually combine them. I'll think of them as time attention. Like there's like without time, you don't have attention. Without attention, you don't have time. Like these are these are unified. And we have a sense of that, that we have a sense organ, if you will, like an eye, we see things. And, and what happens is that the, the, the myopia, the tension, the, the, the hyper focus, if you will, is like we see that time attention in a tightened sort of ball, a sort of magnified sort of way. For whatever reason, in that deep world of that, we, we, we engage um, uh, nature better. I don't know how or why, but somehow I think there's this connection with nature that I often see, maybe it's not everybody, but I see it quite often, where you're in nature and a lot of that scatter tends to dissipate. The now matters most and the not now is not so, uh, you know, that's there, but it's not, it's like it's periphery and it's okay to be periphery. And that sense of, of, uh, of inner critic tends to decrease a bit. You, there's more of a flow state that's not just a flow of like, I'm in my work. It's like, I'm, there's a flow of, um, you're in some tune with your surroundings, whether it's, but it's not just about this, the leafy green kind of, you know, nature. Time itself is a part of nature. Time is, um, you know, the, the time that we, that we discover that, that we have with ourselves that we flow with is more, uh, you know, the time of our breath, the time of the day the morning, the afternoon, the wee hours of the night, you know, those are more, at least in my sense, natural divisions. Not only that, our time of our thoughts and emotions have their own building, cresting, and, and, and decaying ty types of time, that they kind of move through these sort of these, these phases. 
And um, so as a result of that, you know, that's, that's what we tend to ride on best, right? But the trouble is, is we have these, um, if you will, artificial constructs of seconds, minutes, and hours. They're not real. You know, we just, they're, as, as, as if you want to call real, you know, um, I don't know what we would call real, we could debate that one, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's in terms of like human history, it's what a thousand years old. I, I don't know how, more than that. I'm sorry. I'm messing up the times, but, uh, in terms of like that exact, like sort of, um, you know, what our second is, that's, that's, you know, within the last century that we've kind of said, okay, this is what a second is. Well, you and, tossed mm-hmm. off though. I have to interrupt. You tossed off as, as something just given without time you don't have attention without attention you don't have time you made that sound so facile as if everybody knew that but i had a little bit of a mind-blown moment here too because time these minutes seconds and hours those are actually when you look at it this way again when you get rid of the binary um you know time or not time adhd or not adhd minutes seconds and hours are measures of attention yeah that they're a part of our attention. They are, they're together. There was, a, there was a physics teacher that I had uh, years and years ago in my senior year of, um, in high school. And I actually went and did before, I've looked up his, his um, tried to find his name and I can't find it. Anyway, I wish I could give him credit. Anyway, he said, um, momentum. Momentum is mass times velocity. Sure. He said um, that it you know, looks like by the equation, P equals M times V. It looks like, Mass and vo- and velocity are more primal than, or more more uh, uh, central than um, than uh, momentum. But he said, no, no, no. Momentum is more central. We are artificially dividing it into mass and velocity, and that blew my mind. And I've kind of yeah. carried that with me. And 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 somehow I think that same idea that he gave me there is w- the way I look at time and attention. I think that we. I mean, I, was, I don't know what to call time attention other than put a hyphen in it and maybe I can come up with a word. But I, every once in a while I play with the word ravon, but I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, this Persian word for that's a simultaneous river and mine, if I have it correct. So if anybody's anybody out there who speaks Farsi and can correct me, please go right ahead. But um, I kind of use that same metaphor he gave or that same idea he gave me to say, this is, I think, where our, if we can look at time and attention as something together, I just feel like it's just something, there's something about that just resonates for me. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, I interrupted your uh, flow state uh, by hijacking you and reflecting on that, on that time. uh, Without time, you don't have attention. Without attention, you don't have time. That is crazy that I've never thought of it that way. I just feel suddenly, suddenly so, so unlimited. but you were you were in the middle of talking about these sort of artificial the artificialness of of mm. time and if we transition into the artificialness of the structures that we create again if time is a man-made structure to a lot attentional ability work is a man-made structure to focus time and energy toward an end and we often find with our incredible ADHD brains uh we struggle to find sync at work. Yeah. How how do you help people think through this? So it's a great question. I mean, we need it. We need these constructs. I mean, uh, another example of 
besides time is money. You know, I mean, it's yeah. something we made up, right? I have a, and, I, uh, I guess my bent is always the counter. It's like, oh, human made structure, burn it down. Right. <laughs> Let's yeah. Yeah. Who is that man that made yeah. that? He's stupid. Right. <laughs> He's stupid. Burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> but then I wouldn't have my video games. I right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a trade-off. There's always, there's, there was always trade-offs and, um, but no, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, how do we, because if, if we didn't have, I wouldn't know when to meet with my client. I wouldn't know when to, you know, I wouldn't, all that stuff, you know, we, right. we, sure. we need these, we need these structures. And, um, so how do we, one lesson that I try to teach is this idea that I'll call the visit. All right. The visit is, um, when you show up to a piece of work or play or whatever it is that you're thinking about engaging in. And you just show up, you move distractions aside, and you're just fully with the thing. You don't have to do any of it. So there's often kind of this kind of a shift in, in way of approaching something. Although there is, uh, I'll, I'll point out that this is not unique to me. I, uh, um, but it's this idea that you just show up, you're just there with it. And particularly things that are difficult, things you don't want to do, procrastinating on all that. What happens is you start noticing, um, and this is particularly if the deadline is far away, all right, mm -hmm. I'll add that a bit. You start noticing how awful it feels. There's this often, you know, with like, especially something you've been procrastinating on. Oh, right? yeah, that's, that's 8 a.m. day one for me. Right, absolutely. It's the, the shameful, off, whatever, those, all those negative things. And then, yeah. well, what starts happening too is that you might start uh, engaging in um, you might start noticing that there's these little windows, there's uh, windows of challenge, windows of not too boring and not too overstimulating. These little, eh, I'll just write my name on this thing, maybe. Uh, maybe I'll just write that one little something. Um, the example of, um, uh, you know, somebody says you want to start a jogging habit, put your shoes on and stand outside, you know, and you start, you start moving kind of an idea. Same sort of idea. Um, and what happens then, though, with this deadline particularly far off, is you start noticing your own thoughts, your own, like when you start finding that challenge window where play can start taking seed and take root and you can like really get into it. I can describe play in a bit, but you start noticing that your thoughts, and I'll say this, thoughts take time. Thoughts always take time. Thoughts exist in time, that same idea, time and attention, right? So... You start noticing your thoughts and the time they take and how that starts to be more in sync and in tune with the type of work you're doing. There's like a type of like flow, rhythm, something to the work. I think everybody notices when they're in flow. They notice, oh, this thing is kind of, you get into that sort of, it's like unfolding sort of state. It's mm -hmm. like, this is why I say it should be distant from the deadline where you're like pushing hard and really trying to make it happen. Right. This is, no, this is kind of, it's just kind of happening. And when you start practicing that, which starts from that visit idea, then you start noticing, oh, this is the rhythm at which I can connect with this thing. I, I go at this pace and, and, and oh, the deadline is over there. Okay. When you start that and you only need to visit and you don't have to do it, that also starts to lift some of the, the I don't want to feelings, the feelings of I don't like, um, the, like, uh, or you're like, you get scared of the thing, you know, the, the, like, I got to write the report now and I, I can't do, no, no, you just have to show up. You don't have to do any of it. You can just shut it right down and bring that same ex exercise for tomorrow if you want. So 
again, you start noticing that that inner clock, that inner pace, and then you're starting to able to like, okay, that is due on that date, and that's where the alert needs to show up, and that okay, but meanwhile, I can go at my pace. How does does this notion of hyper focus relate to this concept of flow? Because everything, and and this is something I appreciate about the way you approach so many of these concepts is it's with an approach of gentleness and, and I think fundamentally kindness. But I also think that the notion of hyper-focus can be seen as unkind, right? The fact that we get into a flow state that can become dangerously close to a time attention blackout. Yeah, you enter that, um, uh, I've used a couple of metaphors on that one, you go past the event horizon, and yeah, uh, like a black right. hole, you know, and now, yeah. now, now you don't realize there isn't anything like you don't even know there's an external world. You don't even know there's an option yeah. to not be where you are. You know, that that can be an awful place. Um, I it I think there's of it as something of a spectrum, you know, that in some ways flow might even be called that, you know, there's just an extra level of mm-hmm. that where you lose sight of it all. Um, I think there's a practice to it. I think I don't think it's. Um, it, it's just an on-off sort of thing because sometimes I'll read about it as if you know there's there's like structures in the brain that are not functioning and whatever. Okay, maybe maybe not. I'd prefer to look at it as uh, uh, there is a practice to this. There is a there is like you are. If we look at it as play, coming back to play, I, I'd alluded to this. Play is deeply meaningful. Play is. Uh, you know, if you look at a toddler in play, they are in this world in which internal and external are in flow with each other. They are asking questions. They are in exploration. They are discovering. Um, they are, and, and as a result, they are making meaningful changes within themselves. It is a connection to meaning. So when I say play, that's what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. And I tend to look at success as a union of play and work. So it's this kind of flowing state, right? And work being that which we do such that the world supports us in return, whether that's financial or caring or spiritual or whatever it is that somehow the world is supporting us as a result of whatever we're doing. So we're aiming for that that sort of union. We're aiming for that, that harmony between these two. The trouble is, often with ADHD and wandering mind, is that play is strong. Play is powerful. Play is yeah. that you know. I, I love the metaphor of the that I've said, read a few times, like the 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 uh, um, the race car. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's such a lovely. It's like I've got power. Okay, now I've. Well, I think it was um, Hallowell and Radian yeah. or ADHD two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, uh, it's like a Ferrari car with bicycle strength brakes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. But I think um, the the the. The only trouble I find with that metaphor is that it feels like that's that's a that's a given and you can't do anything about it. I think I like to think of I, I switched the metaphor to a to a boat. You know, you can you know there are no brakes on a boat in in many ways, but you can do something with it. You can navigate with it. You can you can shift. You can you have something you can do with that momentum. Yeah. So, I, I think you can practice it. I think you can start thinking of, um, you know maybe you start practicing with what are the natural breaks in what I'm doing. Maybe you start practicing with learning how to set timers in a way that feel more meaningful rather than something you just throw at future you, mm-hmm. you know, and just, ah, future you will figure it out. You know, like I'll set it for this time. Future you comes around and looks, they didn't think about me. 
<laughs> I'm not going to listen to that. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. true. Well, and that's one of the reasons like this, the idea of, of the visit is, I think, so mm-hmm. tantalizing for me, right? Because it's, it's, it's a tease. I can tease myself with this sort of future productivity. And in that way, I'm sort of sending myself, my future self, a love note that says, oh, you did write your name on that thing that one day. Yeah. Oh, I, I love you. You're great. Past you. You did a good thing. I, I kind of love, I kind of low key love the idea of being able to send myself a love note in the future. I love, I love the idea of a love note for the future. That's great. <laughs> well, it certainly it opens up the opportunity of getting started of wh- yeah. whatever that looks like, right? And so whether it's just opening up the document, putting your name on the paper, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I like it too. Well, yeah, because that that metaphor of the boat, like, yeah, you can. St- steer the boat but you can also beach it and right without making and that's one of the things we call we we call out i think kind of often which is like what do we need to do to make this a practice so going from practice to pattern recognition right that's another thing that i think we sometimes struggle with when we're talking about work the things that we run into at work with the ADHD brain are striving for potentially play and yeah. the order of the human structure with which we are presented sometimes runs headlong into our drive for creativity and improvisation. Yeah. yeah. Does that re- mean, does that ring any bells for you? I think if I'm hearing it right, if I, the example that came to mind, as you said that, and tell me if I'm off, is like, um, at least for me personally, when I'm in a creative state, uh, interruptions are very difficult. I, I, it, it throws me off. Context so, uh, shifts are a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, but it depends on the type. So for example, growing up in, in let's say a junior high, high school time, time, um, I needed to entertain myself. So the way I would do that is I would do the homework of another class while I was in this class, whatever class I was in. And so I'd be switch tasking between the two. So even though there was a contest, for me, that worked at that, like whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would be doodling or something, you know, right? So that was something like that. But what I was just describing, like if I'm playing at the piano or if I'm writing, oh, writing in particular, um, somebody asks something from me. I'm like, ah, you know, I just had this idea. <laughs> like it's going to yeah. go away. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and so. Um, at least that's what came to mind as you, as you described it. And so I think if I understand it right, the the question is, how do we manage that? How do we deal with that in our, in our work environments in particular, you know, in, in, in context of the subject? Because look at all the things it conjures up, right? That distraction can lead to, oh, I just had this idea and now I'm full of that sort of rejection sensitivity that I'm never going to be able to find it again. And I'm sort of self-loathing about it. And also I resent you for interrupting me and, like it's a it can be a cascading and again unkind kind of way through it. Okay, so as Uh-oh, a coach, we got a flag on the field. <laughs> as away. a coach, I'm putting my flag in. I think it starts with how you are thinking about it. And when you sure. said Pete that it's a disaster, mm-hmm. that to me put a red flag because immediately you've already determined 
that it's going to be a disaster. I when I'm sitting here on the podcast, it's super easy for me to say, yes, of course, we have to have positive language. We ha- we got to get rid of those limiting beliefs. And yet when I'm interrupted while I'm in the middle of writing something that is the next great thing in the world that I'm about to give to the world and I'm interrupted, that it's it, that is one of the times when making it a practice becomes so important because my instinct is triggered. Yeah, you're right? angry, mad. Yeah. 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 Right. Frustrated, whatever the word would might be. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, it is sorry, frustrating. Harsh. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's frustrating. It's like, ah, I was doing something there. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think the, um, And I'm thinking about the comment, Nikki, that you'd made about, uh, uh, you know, the, the approach, like, how are you thinking about it? Is this necessarily a disaster or not? And in some ways, um, I think you make a good point because there's this idea of this, um, you know, sometimes like the idea that I'd had might still come back later and in a better, better form. I'd mm-hmm. already, this actually speaks to that visit idea I was talking about earlier. When you, when you start making visits, those aha moments between visits are much more prominent. They tend to, they, because you've been yes. with this, you know? Right. Um, so that, let's just throw in that as one more, um, one more uh, uh, positive for it. Still, in context of work, when you're trying to deal with this sort of, so for example, dealing with, uh, uh, let's say one of those messenger, mess, you guys use uh, Discord, uh, I think. Yeah. Is that right? Like you have, Absolutely. Right. So I would need to like figure out a way that I could like parse out Discord, like if that were part of my work. Or like some people are using Slack or other types of like, there's like messages. I have to figure out how to like make it so that I only have visits to that for particular periods of time. Because for me, those are like parties and I'm not a party person. Um, you know, there, there are like things going on and yes, this is, you know, and um, if you don't mind me jumping one thought, um, I was at, I was at a party once and there was a, uh, and uh photographer was sitting down on the side and I walked up to the guy and I said, you doing okay? And he told me, yeah, I'm just a little extroverted out right now. I just, <laughs> oh, I so understand that. Hey, was that phrase. <laughs> I don't, like, 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 it's like such a great phrase. I love it. And, um, but that's, that's kind of the, you know, like when it comes to like, uh, like any of those, it's like this. So anyway, with, with work, they might expect you to be at the party all day. And, and, right. and I might, I might, so this is where I have to be able to know whether through visits or through whatever method of work, I have to know my own internal rhythms, my own internal paths of creativity and what works for me. And then I have to, in a sense, uh, like know what those, what um, supports those, what helps me, like, for example, uh, distance from interruption would be an example. And, and not only that, I have to then... Uh, sell that idea to whoever's in charge of that. So meaning I have to make it super easy for them to be okay with that in some way. I have to make whatever coverages that need to be in place. I have to find the resources for all that. And, um, and, and then say, I, and then also say, this is even going to be better for the product or for you or for whatever it is. So it it makes it, so all they got to do is say, okay, fine. And, and then you're still not done. Because then what happens is that um, you're both taking a risk at that point. You know, they are taking a risk on you because they're making whatever accommodation and all that. And you're ba- taking a risk on yourself because you're not sure if you can deliver now that they've, they've, right? So now like, oh, yeah. pressure's on. 
But that is how trust is formed. Because the foundation of any relationship, work relationship, your relationship with your environment, relationship with your folks, with your friends, with whoever, the fundamental part of it is trust. Trust versus mistrust is like the first stage of Erickson's development, you know, the psychoanalyst, you know, it's, it is there throughout our days and all that. And trust is a uh, developing belief. So it requires time. Developing belief that something will continue to behave as it has been such that it may be relied on. I'll say that again. Trust is a developing belief that something will continue to behave as it has been such that it may be relied on. Now, the way you grow trust then is through risk. Risk is the little things where you don't know, can I rely on this or not? So you take these calculated risks with your coworker, with your employer, with whomever it is, in a way that you're saying, look, here's the calculated risk, can you take this with me? As you do that, you build trust, you build the relationship, you build the environment around you such that you are starting to have a better and better uh, work space. So that, that works for you and works for them. It's like a stress test. Stressed? How do you mean? I just mean when you push on the boundaries of the uh, when, when you're talking about taking risks, it sounds very much like we're pushing on the boundaries to see if the internal constructs we built are resilient enough to allow us to trust them next time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing that hopefully in a calculated yeah. way. In a, right. And um, uh, 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 and then that's that's that comes back to that idea of the fusion of play and work. Right, you're trying to find where your inner creativity, your powerful self, is in those, and and as you do that, you develop trust in self, which is confidence. What would you say to someone who doesn't have the trust in themselves to even go with the idea to the other person? I tend to think of that as like starting to develop it on your own, preferably, I, you know, like rather than in the workspace. But these things might happen simultaneously, and you know, and mm -hmm. sometimes you get a win at work in whatever way. And that really gives you, you know, some boost, but sometimes you start, you know, it's just at home, you know, it mm -hmm. might be the, you know, there's a bunch of stuff sitting on the floor and I just don't, I don't want to do it. You know, those, I don't want to feelings kind of really grip hard. Mm -hmm. And you're like, and then you're in that state of confusion. I, I want to pick up the stuff from the floor and toss it in the hamper, but there's a part of me that just, I don't want to. And, and it's so, it's starting to learn how to navigate that, mm -hmm. that I think, you know, maybe with a visit, maybe with some other method of, of doing it, that you start developing that little bits of confidence that eventually start to hopefully become cohesive and you, and you can start presenting yourself at that huge jump sometimes of being interpersonal. Sometimes it's a monstrous jump. Like, how do you start doing that in a smaller, you know, smaller way not easy and i think it's different for each person sure but i love that i love that it's like it's it's visiting the other areas of your life uh that can build the confidence in 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 a work area that feels like it's a higher consequence right like it it, it feels like it the, the outcome could be worse <laughs> um i don't know if i'm saying that right but yeah i i love your approach i think it it's nice the outcome is like calcification, mm -hmm. right? It like mm -hmm. changes from I don't want to to I'm not gonna when it mm -hmm. when with the force of practice can go How from can I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to, but I'm going to visit. I don't want to, but visit I can, it. Yeah. right? I, it's possible for me to do this thing. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, uh, again, one of those words that we've talked about so many times on the show is the should. It's like, I know I should, but I don't want to, so I'm not going to. And yeah. that that's the the sort of defeatism that we're trying to break out of and not get yeah. calcified in. That makes the sense. idea the, it makes perfect sense. The, the idea of the, the the visit is what you're doing is. So oftentimes we're very focused on the attention aspect of things or the time aspect of things and for good reason. But there's a there's a vital aspect that's often missed, which is missing, which is decision. Decision hmm. is, needs to be supported. Any productivity system worth its salt centers on a huge part of it being decision. So what happens when you show up, when you go to the visit, you are paying something, you are paying the visit, you are paying, you are going to the thing, moving distractions aside and sitting with the thing. But you are not forcing anything to happen. You don't have to do anything. So you are putting yourself in a position to make the decision, do I want to do this or not? And if you do want to do it, you are now at the edge of action. At least I, I like that phrase, edge of action, mm -hmm. where all you need to do is barely nudge it forward. You barely nudge it forward and, okay, now you're in the next position. Do I want to nudge it forward again? Well, maybe I will. Okay. Now I've nudged it forward twice. And any rhythm is built on two beats. So you've done it twice. Now you've got a bit of a rhythm. Now you've got possibly the initial flow. You still have every, but you have the agency, you have the decision, you have every right to say, I don't want it at any stage. As opposed to what's very often, um, I think systems that are very frequent with ADHD in, in particular, are these sort of uh, enslaving, forcing, anxiety-based sort of systems that are, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to procrastinate till I get to the deadline, I have to push my, just push myself harder. Whereas this is about, no, be honest with where your emotions are, but be there at the place where it would be easy to make something happen if you chose to do so. We are, uh, we're nearing the end. I have a couple of more things I want to just poke at you about. Um, Please. One of them is this idea of, of hiding ADHD at work. And, and mm. I don't necessarily mean, uh, you know, answering the sort of binary question, should you tell your boss at work that you have ADHD? But when we talk about sort of trust in self, it's the same sort of approach. Like when you are hiding ADHD at work, who are you hiding it from? When you're hiding your ADHD from yourself, right, you're dealing with that struggle to find a home at work and just appear like you're holding it all together when you're deeply struggling internally, right? That, that yeah. sense of sort of inner conflict. How does one go about using some of the concepts we talked about today, the concept of, of flow, finding flow and pushing on systems and taking risks to start to absolve that conflict at work? I think it's, it's right in tune with it. it. I like the metaphor of the, the word mask, because when you put on a mask, you are, you are creating a wall between yourself and the world. And, and you are disconnecting an important part of yourself, that part of you that is meaningful, that part of you that feels like you can. Um, so when you say that use the word home, to me, that it means, uh, and maybe I should ask you, how do you define that? Um, at least the way I hear it. I don't know. Do you want to define it? And then I'll. No, I'd like it. to know how you hear it. All right. Here's how I hear it. I, I hear it as a place where you can discover play. I hear it as a place that you can discover that playful sense of self in a way that lets you uh, start creating and be that powerhouse. Yeah. Um, 
And, and so, um, I think it needs to be a developmental process. Um, I think it needs to be taken over time, just as we're talking about, like this idea of those, those incremental risks. Yeah. You know, because there might be situations where it is unwise to reveal something. There might be, you know, somebody who is punitive or a bully or whatever, and they exist. Mm -hmm. And so it is, I think, those gentle risks that you're like, I'm really worried that such and such might happen if they knew. Okay. Another approach might be, rather than labeling anything, I, I tend to be very cautious with labels. Um, and uh, uh, rather than late, why not work with the, just the the symptom, the issue? Like, okay, I have troubles with deadlines. How are you going to measure the? Okay, what if I did this instead of this? What if I started here? What if I asked them to give me the information at this time? Then you're not talking about ADHD. You're just talking about a specific. Give me like I'd like this to help me out here, and that'll help you here there. And and no and labels don't become a part of the discussion necessarily. I I love the idea of that because it again it reminds me of one of my favorite metaphors on this sort of breaking something down and finding the reward. It's a carnival game, right? You're picking up an air rifle and you're shooting targets. You're picking up bean bags and you're shooting. You're throwing them at at you know bottles. Whatever the case, the more you toss, the more you shoot, the more you throw, the closer you are to getting a giant stuffed bear. Right. Like eventually there is reward at the end of approaching these at a micro level and making a practice of thinking micro in order to achieve macro. I would agree. Yes. I think um, when you say that, I think of the piano and. Oh, please, let's uh, talk about the piano. Sure. I didn't know you played. I'm, I'm excited to know this. I would, I'd love to hear. All I do. I, it was. It was. I was this close to moving my whole rig out onto my piano. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to, to, to geek out on it. I. Uh, so the, the way it came to mind though is is um. When you're able to sit at the piano, I learned this from Kenny Kenny Werner. Kenny Werner uh, wrote this book uh, as a jazz pianist. He wrote. Uh, 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 effortless mastery. He's like this, I feel an unsung hero in the productivity world because it's not written as a productivity book. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a piano. It's a, anyway, when you're able to um, take a deep breath and barely touch the keys and just learn how to play a single note really nicely, just that you can hear the music behind one single note, everything you play in that practice session becomes so much better becomes so much richer so it becomes like you're in like you can the 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 way you hit the, the each key the the velocity of each key the phrasing of each thing the timing of everything just it, it like so the the little tiny things makes a huge difference in the in the in the large anyway that's what came to mind I love that. I'm just I'm giddy with that I'm teaching my son right now I okay I'm I'm a uh, whatever you think about parents getting in in the middle of the the teaching process for music, it, it comes with its own little red wagon of baggage that I'm bringing around. But he has a teacher, and she's great. She's very nice. But sometimes I wish she would think about concepts uh, that are a little bit broader. And to me, it's all about shapes. And it's the same way you learn chords on a guitar. Like when you think of, you know, learning the shapes of the chords as you play them to better increase your ability to match patterns when you see them on the page. Um, it, it is 
uh, it's an incredibly powerful metaphor to just learn the basic shapes for your fingers so that when you barely touch the keys, as you say, you have an anticipation of what's going to happen next, right? You, You know what that shape will yield and you have confidence that taking the risk of actually pushing down and making sound will actually yield positive results. That's great. That's great. Oh, man, I could keep going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so could Pete. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could, but, uh, you know, I, I, at the risk of being too presumptuous, we might just have to have another conversation with you, Kirish. This has been really just wonderful. Uh, uh, talk about, like, the absolute luxury that I feel like I have to be able to play in this space with you both is just, uh, it's a deep honor, and and thank you so much for doing it. I... Uh, want to, can't let you go without talking a a little bit more detail with our people about what you're doing right now with the Wandering Mind uh, book and group and what you're trying to accomplish there. Sure. Oh, thank you. So, um, yeah, so that idea of the visit, I basically structured an entire, like, way of of working around it. Um, And uh, so I call it waves of focus. So uh, is is what the the system is. uh, wavesoffocus.com if i if i can plug that I mm-hmm. hope that's all right um, um the uh it is about how do you uh bring play into your day-to-day in a way that feels responsible in a way that feels like you are engaging um the things that are meaningful to you and such that you can um well, enjoy yourself <laughs> you know how do you how do you uh I, I continue as you, uh, as we're talking about. I continue to play piano every day, despite everything I do, and uh, and with everything I do, and it still informs and flows into everything I do. And I I want to, in very clear, directed ways, presenting what are the exercises you need to get there, because it's it's not about, um, it's not it's not like I can just say here's the, here's the thing you do. It's not like here's a list you create. It's it, there's. I, I tend to look at these as exercises, things you develop over time. You know, it's like, um, what do you get out of lifting a heavy object over and over again? Or why do we run in circles over and over again? Uh, it doesn't make sense in one way, but in another, once you start exercising, you start building certain ways. Then that like new things start opening to you, new health starts open to you, new new places you can go start opening to you. Anyway. I realize I'm kind of waxing very uh, general at this point. I'll stop. <laughs> I it's one of the things that is, is is so attractive about the way you approach all of these concepts, whether OmniFocus or DevonThink or, in fact, the Wandering Mind. Again, gentleness and kindness and expansiveness that I think is is it is a unique niche for you, Kurosh, and it it is um, just a, a fantastic reads all of them. So. Thank you so much for your contributions today and elsewhere. Uh, everybody definitely go check out uh, all of these resources, links in the show notes. Uh, it's been fantastic, uh, both of you. Thank you so much. Uh, we you. appreciate all of you for downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in the Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the Deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Dr. Kuroshkini, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.